Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come, join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven will be as when a man going on a journey summoned his slave and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. The master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on return I would have received what was mine own with interest. So taking the talent from him and giving it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. From, but from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Think about a time that you have received a big message from God. We've all had them. Sometimes we're shy or unsure about admitting them. Maybe it was in a dream. Maybe it was in prayer. Maybe it was a flash of sudden knowing. What was your immediate reaction? Just think about that for a moment. Scripture provides us with a wealth of examples. 
Adam heard his maker strolling through the garden, and he grabbed Eve and hid in the bushes. Sarah heard God say that she would have a baby. After all, everyone knew she was in her 90s. She laughed. Mary received the announcement of the angel Gabriel that she would have a son, and she protested that that would be quite impossible. Thomas came face to face with the risen Christ and declared that he needed to have more proof. Show me, he said. So all of these interactions show some kind of element of surprise. In the face of all that is holy, these are the very human responses, perhaps the kinds of responses that we ourselves have made when we've received a big message from God. We are surprised, perhaps a little scared, perhaps a little unbelieving, and we are awestruck. The parable today, if we were to take it literally, paints a very different picture. So we need to know that scholars, there's significant disagreement among scholars about this parable, and it has been the tradition down the centuries to think that the landowner represents God. But let's examine the problem with that interpretation. Here's the problem. An absentee landlord God, a God who exacts a profit from God's people, a God who throws people out when they do not produce the right profit, God is like a mob of boss, like a mob of boss in this story. Still, many of us, I would say most of us, grew up with some kind of understanding of that image of God, which is not particularly the one that we want to pass on to the next generation, I would dare say. Marcus Borg, many of you know Marcus Borg, and I'm, I'm sure you've read a lot of his books. He says it this way in his book, The God We Never Knew. Marcus Borg says, Pastor Thorson shaped my childhood image of God in yet another way. He was a finger shaker. I'm not speaking metaphorically, but literally he actually shook his finger at us as he preached. Sometimes he even shook his finger while pronouncing the forgiveness of sins. These words carried a message. Although we were forgiven, we knew it was a close call. The finger shaker. Most of us know that one. And about the finger shaking God that has had quite enough with us, thank you very much. And then the bit about being thrown out into the fiery furnace, that is what humans have cooked up throughout the centuries in response to the finger shaker. Throw it out. If we remember that the people Matthew was writing for were undergoing severe political persecution, we can perhaps also remind ourselves that when people are afraid, we tend to circle the wagons and become defensive and afraid, which is only one way of entering into this parable. So let's think about another interpretation of this story. 
What if we think about it instead as the offerings that God would have us make, each according to our own ability? In that telling, even the one who buried his talent might be understood as the one who was protecting everything he had, not as willing to or ready to risk spreading his wings in offering. We also know that one talent was a lot of money. It was the largest currency of the time, kind of like a $100 bill today. Think about if I were to hand each of you a $100 bill right now, if I were just to pass out $100 bills what that would mean to you, what that would mean to someone sitting near you. Only you know what that would mean. And we know that financial resources are money, has both real value and real power. So I take this story about stewarding our precious resources, whether Individually, they are small or large or somewhere in between. It's what is important to us that is the important note here. Because the truth is that in the economy of God, God's economy, God's economy wastes nothing, values everything we can offer as our frail, as frail, imperfect humans that we all are. Instead of throwing out, God's economy gathers in. Today, at our offertory, we will bless the financial pledges which we have made to this place for the coming year. And we bless the time commitments that you have made to this place during this past year and during the coming year. And we will bless the talent and the ministry that you have given this place this past year and this coming year, what we call in, in our churchy language, time, talent, and treasure. Every penny counts every day. And our gifts added together make anything possible. This is what Richard War says. Wholeness holds you can't figure this out ahead of time or fully choose this wholeness. You fall into it when you stop excluding. And you are changed in the process. Everything belongs, even the bad and dark places of yourself. Nothing needs to be rejected or denied. No one needs to be hated. No one needs to be excommunicated, shunned, or eliminated. You don't have time for that anymore, he says. You've entered into the soul of the serene disciple where, because the Holy One has become one in you, you're able to see that oneness everywhere else. Oneness, wholeness, instead of exclusion. This is the God we want others to know. This is the God that you know. Think again about getting a big message from God our God who welcomes us exactly as we are. We receive a big message from God and we often respond with surprise, not a little fear, and we are awestruck. So what is the message you've been receiving from God about this congregation, about this ministry, 
its future and what generosity can you respond with? I want to give you a little story that uh, the, the wardens at least have heard, maybe even the whole vestry, but it's a story of the Church of the Nativity, which is a church that I served for 15 years up in the Lucas Valley of uh, Marin County, uh, just off 101, just off Lucas Valley Road. I served there from 1999 to 2014. In 1999, the chapel at the Hamilton Air Force Base, just up the road, which was being redeveloped, came up for sale by the government. And that's when a lot of money was being poured into that old base. And essentially, they were creating a new town. A parishioner, Katie, came to me. I really think it was like the second month I had been there. And she said, let's go and try and, and buy that chapel and move our church over there. And I said, you know, it's, it's too soon in my tenure to do that as the rector. We have a lot of other things we have to do. But that parishioner persisted, and she got a couple of other leaders in the church interested, and we met, and we agreed that arm in arm, we would approach the congregation about this possibility. There was a tremendous amount of work to do, and this small group of people decided to do it. We presented the idea to the congregation, and there was some uproar. Not very many people, but some longtime members got up and stated that over their dead bodies would that congregation move two miles up the road. My volunteer administrator at the time, Joyce, was one of those opposed. She was the matriarch of the church. However, ever curious, even at her great age, she convinced some of the naysayers to decide to make their own evaluations. How long would it take to drive to the new site, Joyce wondered. And so she got in her car and tested how long would it take to drive up the road two miles. Would the beloved ginormous tapestry, which literally was like, I don't know, 80 by 6 feet, I don't know, it was huge. It was maybe the top, it was huge, enormous. Would that fit in the new space? Bob the engineer went and measured, and yes, it would. After six months of preliminary planning, we took the plan to the diocese, and everyone said, go for it. And so we did. And some parishioners were so angry, they left the parish. And we wished them well, because the majority of the people had now caught the vision that our parishioner Katie had come to. That was the big thing that God had told her, and that she was not going to be um, uh, turned back from that. That God had called us to be and do something different than we were doing. Now, I've been telling this story for years. People often say to me, well, what happened? How did it go? And the fact is that we did not win the bid for the chapel for a variety of reasons. And for a brief moment, we thought this was a terrible failure and a big waste but it turned out to be just the catalyst that we needed to turn around and to look at where we were. Remember back in the olden days, Pope John Paul II, whenever he got off a plane, would he would get down on his hands and knees and he would kiss the ground. Do you remember that? He would kiss the ground where he was. And so my image that came to me shortly after this didn't happen was that that's what we were doing. We were bending down and kissing the ground and we needed to get to work. And so we did. We raised a lot of money. 
We got people excited about what we were doing there on that beautiful, incredible piece of property. And now, more than 20 years later, it's a thriving congregation with a, with a rectory, a clergy apartment, and an amazing congregation. It was a risk worth taking, period. And the congregation was completely changed in that effort. As a result of listening to that message from God that Caden, my parishioner, first elucidated. So today, as the gospel calls us, may we come to faithful risk-taking. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations.